when love comes to town. Hey, thank you again for joining in online. Boy, if you're just at home and you could attend a service, what a great day this is. You might want to reconsider uh, jumping in the car and coming on over to Oakwood. But we respect uh, the needs that you have. If we have people with vulnerabilities, we want to make sure that you're feeling safe, although we're taking as many precautions as we can. But we are... So thankful that the Stand Strength team was available. Uh, Normally they'd be on the road. They would be doing some festivals and doing some uh, great things out there. And the fact that this has kind of put them uh, on the ground uh, means that we are blessed. And I'm so thankful they came today. We just said goodbye to Christopher Card last week. And he's been uh, providing us leadership for our worship. And and we need some time to regroup and reformat. and, And they were here to be able to provide for us. Although if they're not attending a church anywhere, Uh, They are always welcome to come and be a part of our worship team when they're in town. Some great talent there and some great love for the Lord. Like I said, I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad we're in our series, When Love Comes to Town. You just saw our bumper video walking into this message. Uh, it's a great tune, B.B. King, compilation with you 2 and uh, When Love Comes to Town. And in that song, in the full version, they even talk about Jesus coming. And so uh, we're here to talk about that love, the love that Jesus Christ came here, poured out on us, and that told us when he left as his believers, we should follow in his footsteps. We need to love like he loved. And so that's why we're in this series, Love Comes to Town. Go ahead and ask me what's the big idea. Our big idea this morning is love actually. It's not always easy. Love actually. I'm not endorsing the movie by any means. Not a good movie. But we're talking about love actually. What's actual love? Well, actual love is difficult. Actual love is hard. Uh, Love hurts. I mean, we all know the songs out there that love disappoints a lot of times. And and what we're going to be speaking from today is back in 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to go through that again, talk about what love is, what love is not. And we're going to be talking about how it's not always easy, yet required for us to love at all times. Let me pray. Would you pray with us this morning? If you would say this prayer, God, if there's anything you want me to hear this morning, I'm willing to listen. Just offer that to God. God, if there's anything you want me to hear this morning, I'm willing to listen. And God, I pray that you'd be glorified, that everyone hearing this would be edified, and that Satan would be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. Love actually. What does it look like? Well, it's messy. We know that. It's hard. But there's a great verse. It's our key verse for today. It's found in Luke 6, 32. It says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. I believe that God is telling us that love is hard, and you're going to be challenged. And it means nothing if you only love those who are loving back. It means nothing if you can only love those who make you feel good. Your commandment is to love those people when it's difficult and when it's hard. Your challenge is to do the right thing no matter what's happening to you. Matter of fact, I'll take us back to our definition of love. Our biblical definition of love is that love is selfless, willing, sacrifice. Love is selfless, willing, sacrifice for the good of another person, even when that person is not deserving and without expecting anything in return. That's the kind of love we're going to talk about today. Loving when it's hard. Loving when it's not easy. That whole sentence there. 
even when a person's not deserving? Are you loving people that aren't deserving of your love? And not expecting anything in return. Are you loving people without expecting to get anything back from them? That's the kind of biblical love we hear about. And that is the love of Christ. Aren't we glad that he loves us when we didn't deserve it? And aren't we glad that he loves us even though we've turned our backs on him at times and we run away? And and he doesn't get anything back from us. There's nothing we can do for a God who has everything. Yet he loves us. This week I had a great example of this, one I'm just excited to share with you. Uh, I got a phone call, a voicemail, um, just saying, Don, give me a call when you get a chance. And it was a friend that I've been in ministry for years. Uh, uh, he was a, he's a pastor now in Illinois, but we were youth pastors at the same time, did missions trips together. And it was on one of those missions trips about a decade ago. I was preaching the main message. And in my message, I said something that hurt his feelings and his kids' feelings in his group. It's a silly story. Uh, I have a message where my killer illustration is about that song, This Little Light of Mine. I use that all over the country because everybody knows that song, This Widow White of Mine. And, and I make a big deal about how it's, it's actually a blazing fire. And, and it's a great illustration. Knocks them out of the park every time. The problem was his group had done a skit earlier in the day in a park using that song, the old song, This Little Light of Mine. So when I preached that night and used my killer illustration, they felt that I was insulting them. It wasn't in my heart at all. I just, I love that illustration. <laughs> but, I, but I put me using the illustration over the feelings of this group. I didn't think anything of it. I thought they would understand that I was just having a good time preaching, making a point. But Dave let me know, this, this youth pastor friend of mine, he let me know that, that that angered him and it upset his kids. And he really... He really, uh, he really let me know for sure that that was not right. And I took it for what it was, and I realized, you know what, I, I did. I put giving the illustration, making the sermon great over the feelings of that one group. So I took it as a learning point. It's been a decade now, but last week, uh, Dave said, I was at a Dairy Queen taking a motorcycle ride, and I parked and I was eating my ice cream cone, and a bunch of motorcycles rode by, and I thought of you. God put you on my heart, Mr. Harley man. And when I saw the motorcycles and I thought of you, he said, I thought, I wonder if Don and I are okay. He said, I wonder if I was too harsh and didn't didn't come off right. So this pastor in Illinois was now contacting me a decade later. We had a good talk. He said, Don, I don't know what you feel about that moment, but I feel badly about that moment. I want to let you know that I'm sorry for that. I told Dave, I said, Dave, I think I needed to hear what you had to say. And I haven't thought about you poorly in in these these past 10 years. But I'm going to tell you what, today, I think of you a lot higher. I actually said, to me, you're a hero. If anybody a decade later lets God put somebody on their heart and calls them two states away to say, are we okay, brother? What a sweet, what a sweet moment of love. To make sure that that relationship was right. I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure it was difficult for him to to make that call. But boy, what a difference that made in my mind, in my heart. I so appreciate him. Today we're going to be talking about doing what's difficult. Loving when it's hard. And we're going to talk about difficult and draining people. (laughs) James McDonald says this, love is relational dynamite. It obliterates all obstacles in its path. 
And when you choose to love at a relational impasse, you guarantee the forward momentum of that relationship. Love, it's relational dynamite. I love that. It'll explode any barrier that's set up in the way. And so we're going to talk about those barriers today. We call them VDPs. Do you have a VDP in your life, a very draining person? Oh, we need to be careful how we treat those draining people in our lives. The ones that just suck the life out of you. The ones that you see in Myers and you see them two hours away and you go, Oh, Lord, no, this is going to be painful. Oh, VDPs. In our outdoor service, in just a moment, we're going to hand uh, these out to everybody who comes. It's a little square sheet of sandpaper. Just a little gritty paper. And if you feel that sandpaper, it just, oh, it, it just got grit. I got the extra grit. I didn't get the extra fine. I got grit. I cut them all up with our paper cutter in the office. I'm not sure if I ruined it or if I sharpened it. We'll see. But it, it has a property of sanding away rough edges. And we talked about this before. Very draining people, your VDPs in your life, you need to see them as God's gift of sandpaper to your life. Because you know what, they they might grit against you, and you might, oh no, but this is good for you and for me to have VDPs in your life, because it's God's sandpaper working out your rough edges and my rough edges, refining us. It gives us an opportunity to love, even when they don't deserve it, and even when they can't give us anything in return, we still love Look at these as practice, loving the way God wants us to love. I want you to think about the sandpaper. You at home today don't have one in your lap, and hopefully in the service later, they're going to have this in their lap, feeling it during the whole service and thinking about how it just grinds away at us. And I want to talk through several of these type of VDPs today. Number one, VDP, difficult people. You might have difficult people in your life, the kind of people that always finds the wrong. I mean, every time you talk to them, they're going to be complaining. Everything's not right. And they know exactly what's wrong. They know what you do is wrong. What everybody else does is wrong. They're the only ones that are right, difficult people. Do you have them in your life? That's your sandpaper. VDP, difficult people. VDP number two. Might need help. There it goes. Demanding people. Well, we've got difficult people in our life, but you might have demanding people in your life. Demanding people, it's their way only. My way or the highway. This is what I think, and so that's all that matters. And right now, that's all we're seeing on social media. Everybody's talking about what they think is right and demanding their way. And I'm telling you, it's it's, it's, it's a spiral downward. If you want to see what I think about social media and why I'm not out there posting stuff every day, just go into your toilet and flush it. That's what I see. It's a downward spiral. If you're in it, God bless you. I hope it all washes out in the end. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not joining in on that. Because demanding people will always say that their way is the only way. That sucks the life out of you. It grits, grits on you. There's disappointing people. Those are the people in your life that cause hurt. Maybe not directly to you, but disappointing people. Just when you think everything's right, they do the wrong thing. They head the wrong way. They make the wrong choice, and you're disappointed. It it causes hurt. Disappointing people will disappoint everybody around them, and everybody around them is just hurt. There's a lot of pain and suffering that goes with disappointing people. Do you have those people in your life? How about destructive people. 
Destructive people cause enormous pain. They're disappointing people on steroids is what destructive people are. Destructive people cause enormous pain. They don't just make bad choices for themselves. They're making bad choices and ruining people around them. Devis, destructive, destructive people. VDPs, difficult people, demanding people, disappointing people, destructive people. And then there's a last one, devastated people. And I'm careful with that because we're calling these very draining people. I don't want to come across this as these are draining people. But people that have faced some kind of a devastation in their life can be draining on you. They're coming from a place of upset and distress. They're shattered. And they're acting out of emotion. And that might be draining for you when you haven't experienced what they've experienced. You haven't walked in their shoes. And so devastated people can be difficult at times to be around. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to act. And maybe their actions upset you. But we need to be careful about how we treat people that have gone through devastation. That's happening all around you, friends. All around you, our world is reacting to situations. They're acting out of devastation. And we get angry about the reaction. But we need to stop and listen to what happened in the devastation. It's okay for us to listen. I want to take us back to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. If you have your Bible, get that out there because this passage is so powerful and so clear. Last week I used the first four verses talking about the gong. Remember? Nothing. It's nothing. It's zero. I don't want to stand before a holy God someday and he says, you did all this busy work, but you're like a gong to me. Nothing was there because you did not love. But we're going to focus on those latter verses, starting in verse 4. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where their tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. On and on it goes and talks about love will remain. And the greatest of these is love. There's faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Did you see that? I want to show you a list how the author broke this down. If you take a look at this passage, really what the author does is the author saying, here is love and here is not love. I'm going to give you examples of love, but I'm going to back it up with some negative examples that go against love. And the list looks something like this. On the positive side, he's saying love is patient, kind, rejoices with truth, protects trust, hopes, perseveres, and it will remain. That's what he's saying love is. But he backs it up with the knots. And here's the knots. Love is not envious, boastful, proud, dishonoring, self-seeking, easily angered, record-keeping and delighting in evil, and it will fail. Fail. Do you see that contrast? I think the author did a beautiful job of contrasting what love is with what love is not. And if you see it, you either know it is or it is not love. So I'm going to go back through. The, the people, the VDPs that you might have in your life and talk about what our call is. The VDPs, the, the sandpaper that God has given you. Number one, I must love difficult people. Get that sandpaper out if you have some at your house or later on they're going to have it in their laps. Just feel that. I must love difficult people. 
We're talking about bridge building versus bridge burning. You could burn that bridge. If somebody's difficult in your life and you say, man, that's it, I'm tired of it. Uh, They're always finding the wrong and I, I just can't deal with it anymore. You can burn that bridge or you could build a bridge to difficult people. And we're never persuasive when we're abrasive. Think about that sandpaper. You know what? You can be sandpaper in somebody else's life too and how you respond. But to difficult people, we must love by building bridges. And you're not going to be persuasive by being abrasive. I know every once in a while you just want to let them know, you drive me nuts. Stop being so negative. I know you just want to tell them. But that's lighting the bridge on fire. We don't want to light the bridge on fire. We don't want to burn down that bridge. We want to build a bridge. Be persuasive without being abrasive. And then there's a verse that I want to share with you. That verse is Proverbs 16 and verse 2. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. All a person's ways seem pure to them. God weighs motives. You can't weigh motives. Somebody might be difficult in your eyes, and there might be sandpaper and gritting on you, but you know what? God will sort that out, whether they are truly pure motives or whether their motives weren't pure. It's not your job to do. And then there's going to be a quote for each of the five difficult people, the five draining people. And this morning, number one is, I must be tactful, not just truthful. I must be tactful, not just truthful. If we're going to love like Jesus says we ought to love, then we ought to love like Jesus loved. We ought to love with tactfulness, not just truthfulness. I hear people say this all the time. Well, I I set them straight. I told them like it was. Well, you can tell them the truth without being abrasive. You can tell them the truth while still using tact. We never win an argument when we light a fire. We just don't. So tactfulness, not just truthfulness. That's how we should deal with difficult people in our lives. What about demanding people? I must love demanding people. Oh, it's got to be their way. It's only their way. And there just seem to be so adamant about everything and you can't logic with them you can't reason with them well i want to have you stop for a moment and think about the three b's anytime you're dealing with a a, a draining person stop and think about the three b's first three b's number one think about their background do you know anything about what they've gone through it's always important to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes before you comment because you don't know what they've experienced. Maybe you haven't experienced it. But what is their background? The second B is battles. What battles have they gone through that you don't know about? Maybe they feel very adamant about something because uh, their background and the battles they've gone through has led them to that point where they are just very on edge about everything. And then there's a third B, the third B of burdens. Always think about people's backgrounds, battles, and burdens when you consider them. And we ought to consider others, even demanding people. We ought to consider them and love them like God loves them. And we ought to love without demanding something in return. And even when they don't deserve it, all these things are true about love is willing, selfless, sacrifice. So when you're dealing with a a VDP in your life and, oh, you're just gritting your teeth and just... Remember, think first about the three B's, their background, their battles, and their burdens. What are they going through? 
My quote for this one is this today. I must be understanding, not demanding. Oh, the worst thing you can do with a demanding person is be a demanding person right back. Oh, sandpaper against sandpaper doesn't get us anywhere. Be understanding, not demanding. I want to listen. I want to hear. I want to respect. Well, we've got difficult people. We've got demanding people. We've got disappointing people. I must love disappointing people. People that make choices and you go, no, I thought, I thought we were doing so much better. Oh, why did they fall like this again? Disappointing people. Listen, you need to know, number one, you will be disappointed with people, but you will also disappoint. Let's make sure we don't put ourselves on some kind of a pedestal we don't belong on. We will be disappointed, but you also will disappoint others. So we need to be merciful, full of grace. There's a verse in Galatians, Galatians 6 and verse 1. It says this, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Oh, people, people that are disappointing and they do wrong things, we need to carry the burdens with them. We need to pick it up and and bear it, the weight of what's happening, and not just react with our emotions and what it does to us and become demanding back to them. Uh, This quote that I want you to walk away with today is, I must be gentle, not judgmental. Think about being gentle with your response, even if you're disappointed. Even if it's, it's hurt you, their reactions. I must be gentle and not judgmental. And then there's destructive people. Uh, this one's really hard. Maybe you have a destructive person in your life that their actions really affect you. Destructive people. Hard to deal with. 1 Peter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. Uh, devast- or destructive people, it would be so easy just to punch back. It would be so easy to repay evil with evil. And God says, don't repay evil with evil. Don't do that. Don't insult for insult. Oh, that's social media in a nut. Shell, I'm going to say something, you're going to insult me, I'm going to insult you back, and we're in the toilet bowl. So don't join in with that. Don't do that. Destructive people. It's a mess. It's a firestorm in itself. And that hurt is hard. When somebody does something that's destructive to you, I know you feel that. So I want to talk about this word resentment. Resentment. Again, feeling. Look at the word resentment and break it into two. Re, which means again. Rewind, replay, means again. And sentiment. If you look at that word, it kind of makes you think of the word sentiment or feelings. So resentment is really, again, feeling. When you have resentment over somebody that's been destructive in your life, those feelings keep coming back up. Again, I feel it. Again, I feel it. Again, I feel it. And again, I, I talked to you years ago. I used this big bell in here and I pulled the rope. And every time that we recall what happened, that somebody heard us, we ring that bell again. We ring the bell. And, and, and really, we're the ding-dong that keeps making it happen over and over again. I handed everybody a piece of rope, and I had them think about releasing that. I'm not saying what they did was not uh, wrong. When people are destructive, what they do is wrong, and what's wrong is wrong. You don't have to call it right to move on. 
But God tells us to forgive people. Forgive versus trust. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I I am not preaching forgive and forget this morning. I believe forgive and forget is something only the divine can do. Only God can truly forgive and forget. The Bible says that when he forgives our sins, they're as far as the east is from the west. They're in the deepest of oceans. But I believe that's only divine. We as humans do not forget. But we're asked to forgive. Usually when we talk about this, people get upset and say, I can't, I can't forgive because I can't trust that person. Forgiveness doesn't mean trust. Forgiveness is an automatic act that you do for yourself to another person. Trust is something that takes a lifetime to build. Oh, friends, if, if somebody had abused your children and you, you forgive them for that, but you're not going to send them on overnight trips with them, trust is something that takes time. I'm not telling you to check your brains at the door, but I'm telling you, resentment is again feeling, it's ringing that bell, it's dinging that bell over and over again in your mind, replaying the feelings of that hurt. And, and we do that, it just leads to bitterness and anger and wrath. So we need to learn to let go of the rope. We need to forgive people. That doesn't mean automatic trust. That takes time. So my quote for this one, I must delete it, not repeat it. When somebody's been destructive around you and it hurts you and you're feeling that, the consequences of that, you got to delete that by just giving forgiveness and don't repeat it over and over and over again in your minds. I love the fact that that friend of mine from Illinois called me 10 years later because when, when, the, when the bell rang, he thought, oh my goodness, is there a problem in this relationship? I'm going to call and make it right. Oh my goodness. How beautiful was it when two brothers had a great phone conversation this week? You know what? That bell's not going to ring anymore. Now, when I think of Dave, there's not going to be a bell ringing of resentment. And when Dave thinks of me, there's not going to be a bell ringing of resentment. No, we've got two brothers. We've got two brothers locked in arms. And that's love. That doesn't mean everything's been perfect. It means that we move forward in love. So I must delete it, not repeat it. Then this fifth category today. It's so important for where we're at in our world and what we're going through. I must love devastated people. Let me read you a couple of verses. Romans 12 and 15 and Proverbs 10 and verse 19. Romans 12 and 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Do you have devastated people in your life? People that are reacting out of the hurt that they have experienced The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice, but mourn with those who mourn. It might not have happened to you. You might not have experienced it, but the Bible tells you to mourn with them. We need to be careful that we listen, not just combat all the time. That great verse in Scripture says we must be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry. I think the message says something like, listen first, follow up with words, let anger straggle in the rear. (laughs) I love that. Anger shouldn't come out, shouldn't be part of it. We should be able to listen. Proverbs 10, 19 says, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongue. Ah, friends, if I can express to you the importance of just... Don't always respond with your thoughts. Maybe, maybe if you're thinking about it, if you always have to correct everything out there, maybe you're the demanding person in somebody else's life. Maybe you're that difficult person at sandpaper. 
Think about it for a moment. Listen to what Proverbs 10 says. Sin is not ended by multiplying words. We just keep throwing it out there and throwing it out there. And it gets bigger. The fire keeps burning. It says the prudent hold their tongues. Yeah. Yeah. And just listen. Can you do that? Can you stop talking? Stop posting? Listen. Listen, devastated people have something to say and we don't necessarily have to fix everything that we think is wrong with their statement. We can listen. Matter of fact, I want to say this this morning. Don't fix. Listen and grieve. Don't try to fix everything. When you're dealing with a devastated person whose life has been shattered, listen and grieve with them. Listen and grieve. There's a quote for this fifth one. It says, I must listen, not give lessons. That's hard for us to do. As parents, especially if you're a parent, boy, parent, we're good at this. We, we, we hear our children, and boy, we, we give lessons. I mean, uh, I'm sure Josh gets tired of that. Josh says something. I mean, he might just say, oh, my stupid friend just did this. And then right away, I come in with a lesson. Well, you know, Josh, uh, uh, and we, we give a, a life lesson. He's like, nah, I just wanted to tell you the story. You know? And, and we, we always want to speak a moral. We always want to be Aesop's fables to people and, and make sure they're correct and thinking like we want them to think. And you know what? Biblically, when it comes to love, truth is important. Being tactful is important, too. But you can't share truth if you haven't just... Listen first for a moment. Just listen. Hear the devastation. There's a great proverb that says, where there's no wood, the fire goes out. It's talking about gossip, but I think it applies to this same thing about everybody sharing it. We keep on putting wood on a fire in this culture today, and there's a firestorm out there. And I'm not weighing in. I'm not weighing in on anything. I'm politics. I'm not, I'm not telling you how to think. I'm just telling you to love no matter how you think or what side you fall on, it's got to be based in love. Not just truthful, but tactful. Stop and listen for a moment. It's okay. I've made it a, a vow this summer during my vacation that I'm going to read a book. I'm going to read a book from somebody from a different race than mine, sharing their experience. That's what I'm doing. I, I, I just think I need to listen first. I, would, I need to hear and when I read it, it's going to be hard to understand because I don't come from that point of devastation. Yet they do. They've experienced devastation that I don't understand or comprehend. So I first need to just hear it. I just need to hear it. I was in school. I was an RA, uh, resident assistant, uh, my junior and senior years. I was given a a uh, section of a floor of young college-age guys, and they were my responsibility. I was the disciplinarian. I was the uh, mom. I was everything, trying to help these guys through their lives. I experienced a lot of ministry in those days. Talk about great experience to become a youth pastor. It's being a RA at a college, living with some guys. But they gave me this one guy. I remember they said, Don, we want you to take this guy under your wings, and we're just going to warn you. He's a little hostile, he's a little violent, and by the way, he's got a black belt in karate, and so when he flies off the handle, just be careful. I'm like, oh, great. Sure enough, I, I started building a relationship and a friendship with this guy, and man, I'm telling you, when, when he got set off, oh, I mean, he just exploded. He just, when he got angry, things are going to break. Hopefully not me. Uh, this is back in the late 80s, and 
I'm not saying I, I started this movement or anything, but I remember thinking, we need to do something so he stops breaking things. And so there was a study room at the end of the hall, and nobody used it. Nobody ever went in the study room. It was a wasted room. And, and so I, I came up with an idea. I found a bunch of extra mattresses in the storage room. And so I lined the walls of the study room with mattresses. And when this guy would lose his mind, I would grab him and throw him in the room and shut the door. And I could hear him, for about a half hour, all I'd hear was screaming and hacking and whacking. But you know what? He's hitting mattresses. Nothing got broke, including him. I'm not saying I invented the padded room or anything. And I know that they put those in schools now and we all scoff. But when you're dealing with a devastated person, when you're dealing with somebody, and again, I go back to those three Bs, you know what? I had to find out his background. I had to find out his battles. I had to find out his burdens. And I realized I did not experience anything like this guy had experienced in life. He wasn't just an out-of-control person for any reason. He had experienced things. He had experienced things that I might not have survived. He experienced things in his lifetime that you and I, God help us if we were in his shoes. And here he is at a Christian college trying to get a Christian education and the college tried to be patient and I tried to be patient. I worked with him, tried to help him, but he's a devastated person. Devastated people aren't going to act like you want them to act. People that have experienced pain are not going to experience life like you and I. So how do you treat them? With love. Listen. Be patient. Don't always try to give a lesson. My senior year, halfway through the last semester, a professor had got him angry. And on his way out of class, he picked up a rock and he threw it through the plate glass windows of the field house. Just shattered the windows of the field house and that was it. The president's office called me and said, Don, you need to tell him that we're kicking him out of school. I'm like, man, you guys putting a lot on a college kid. And I'm thinking, oh, great, now I'm the guy who's got to go tell him he's kicked out of Christian college and he's going to kill me. I remember taking him to the padded room. <laughs> I take him inside and I said, listen, man, I don't know what happened in that, but you, what you did because of your anger and smashing this window, the college said, enough's enough, and they're going to ask you to leave. You know what? He didn't, he didn't attack me. He didn't hit me. I remember he started to cry. And he thanked me for being a friend. I was devastated. We couldn't help him. All of us need to understand where we come from. And that we don't have the same experience that other people are experiencing. And I'm not validating anything today. But simply telling you, the Bible says, love always, even when it's difficult, even when it's draining. So when we come with this list of BDPs, difficult people, demanding people, disappointing people, destructive people, devastated people, understand that you're going to have these people. They're God's sandpaper for you. But you're also going to be a VDP in somebody else's life at times. That's why it's so important that we must love. Selfless, willing, sacrifice.
for the good of another person, even though they don't deserve it and without expecting anything in return. Tom Holliday, pastor, had said this, Our relationship with others is molded not merely by what I want, but by the examples Jesus provides. I'm not only going to think about how I want to be treated, the golden rule, I'm going to look at how Jesus treats people. If I'm going to live out of sacrificial love, it's not going to happen accidentally. It's going to take a step, a conscious decision to act towards others the way Jesus acts toward me. As I close this morning, I just just have to point it out. Don't you think that we're sandpaper to God? Don't you think that we, even though he loves us unconditionally, don't you think that we're a little bit gritty and difficult at times? Of course we are. Do you think that when Jesus went to the cross, he says, I'm doing this because they're so perfect. I'm doing this because they're so wonderful that they're worthy of me paying for it. No, no, we were sandpaper. God chose to die for us anyway. He chose to send his son. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's the love of God. That's our salvation. Jesus Christ died for our sins so that we might be his righteousness. He became sin so that we might become his righteousness. That's love. So as I close this morning, I want to walk through the five quotes again. First, love actually, well, love actually means I must be tactful, not just truthful. I must be understanding, not demanding. I must be gentle, not judgmental. I must delete it, not repeat it. I must listen, not give lessons. That's my urge for us today. May we love people. May we listen. It's okay to listen. And may we love. I pray it in Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, help us to do these things. It's a hard call. Help us to first realize it's, it's hard to deal with us too. We're difficult people at times and disappointing people. God, I'm sure we're, we're demanding, we're destructive, we're devastated. All these things make us draining. I'm thankful that you never give up on us. That your love is our example. That we have forgiveness through Jesus and that you accept us like we are and, and help us to mold to be more like Jesus. So God, help us to think of others like Jesus thinks of others. God, help us to know that we will never look into some eyes of somebody that you don't love. No matter what skin color or ethnic background or socioeconomic status, we will never look into the eyes of another human being that you do not love and that you were not willing to die on a cross for. Help us to remember that when we love them or we don't love them. Help us to remember it. Help us to act out of love. Love actually. In Jesus' name, amen.